Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, Editor-in-Chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. Welcome back to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast. We are focusing on the volunteer state with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community. This time, special guest, Tina Tobin. But first, for more information about the Mill Creek View podcast, visit us anywhere you get your podcasts and socials at Mill Creek View, Tennessee. While you're there, please subscribe. Welcome to our People in the News episode, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with Tina Tobin. Tennessee Liberty Network is dedicated to reclaiming liberty for Tennesseans through research, education, action, and community building. Our people, one fight for liberty. Sorry, one people, one fight for liberty. It is focused on reviving and restoring the knowledge of and passion for the liberty Tennessee was founded upon based on the ideas found within the Declaration of Constitutional Consent, which reestablishes the relationship between the free citizen of the states and the central government, renouncing the usurpations of their consent by the latter. Liberty Network's mission is to ensure the citizens of Tennessee are able to pursue happiness by embracing true liberty, free from central government control beyond their consent. To fulfill this mission, TLN will focus on educating the public and electing representatives about the original intent for America, the role of the Constitution of the United States, and the philosophy of natural rights to enable states to utilize their sovereignty guaranteed in the Constitution and the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. They are committed to finding persons capable and willing to represent those values and promote their elections, to hold representatives accountable for exceeding their authority or failing to represent their constituents and to ensure free and fair elections through legislative acts and transparency. Tina Tobin is one of Tennessee Liberty Network's election integrity and voter fraud researchers in collaboration with other election integrity groups across the state. Tobin gives presentations on voting machines, vulnerabilities based on her exhaustive research. Hello, Mrs. Tobin, how are you today? Good, how are you, Steve? Doing great, doing great. Thanks for coming on uh, again. Actually, this is your second appearance, but things have changed since we last talked. Mm -hmm. So it's great to update and tell us all about what Tennessee Liberty Network is going to fight for next. But first question from your bio, tell us why the Ninth and Tenth Amendments are so important and why Thomas Jefferson said that Tennessee's Constitution was the best of them all, even before it was a state. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, we uh, state rights are just so important. And you know, we really see it with our elections, because um, when we don't have free and fair elections, it feels like, you know, especially the presidential election is the end of the world. And it, it wasn't meant to be that way. It shouldn't be this massive problem. I mean, yes, the presidency affects us, but we have state rights and it shouldn't be such a massive disaster when you know, we have somebody who's elected at the federal level um, where we don't like what's going on. But yeah, the government's just gotten so big and that's it makes our fight that much more important. We really need to clean up our elections. And when you said about um, our state constitution, um, that's another big problem that we have because we just had four amendments and there are more in the pipeline because they've kind of gotten to see you give an amendment a really catchy title and it doesn't matter what's in the body, people will vote to pass that amendment. 
So, you know, I don't know how many more amendments we can have before that title of, you know, having this great constitution that our, you know, founding fathers thought it was, you know, I don't know if it was perfect, but I think maybe the least imperfect. That's it. Yeah. To the wording. Yes. And, uh, and it's getting just worse and worse. It's amazing. Um, you know, just in one election to have four amendments, that's enormous. I, we can't go at this pace. And with the low voter turnout, most people don't even know what they got, and they're not going to know until it actually hits them in the face or the pocketbook. Um, one of my least favorites is the 17th, direct election of senators. Uh, how do you feel about that one in general? Since I know we have to work under the rules we're given or the cards we're dealt, how do you feel about direct election of U.S. senators? that they have, We have one up for re-election in about 12 months here in Tennessee. Right. Um, I don't, I know that, you know, people do have a problem with that. I just, I, I don't really, I don't have an issue with it. Um, And I guess right now, um, it seems less with everything going on with our elections. Sometimes it feels like that's maybe an argument that's kind of off in the weeds, because we really feel like for one thing, we're selecting our um, you know, the machines are selecting our officials. So, um, you know, so that's a, a big problem right there. But, um, but yeah, I really, I think, you know, I like the way, you know, our system is with the senators. So I don't really have an issue with that. Um, what, some what of the other state senators, like I think, well, some of the other states, I think would be more representative, like in say New Jersey, where we're dealing with Bob Menendez right now, the direct election of a senator gives them more opportunity for corruption, let's just say. Whereas here in the Tennessee, we have our attorney general who is appointed by the Supreme Court, unlike any other state, whereas everybody else has to answer to the voters and be elected. And so I feel that if senators were more appointed versus elected, they would be held more responsible. Of course, there would always be corruption, but it just makes it so much more difficult. And this show is not about me. This is about you. But but my opinion has always been that that a direct election of a senator, just like a congressman or a governor uh, or judge, you therefore have to be beholden to special interests and the corruption is very bad. But tell us how you got activated and ended up joining Tennessee Liberty Network in the first place. I'm sure you didn't grow up wanting to do election integrity <laughs> issues day in and day out. Right. No, I mean, I- Actually, always, um, you know, volunteer to, you know, work the local elections. And, I don't know, pretty often I would be out campaigning for local candidates. But I would say really when we had all the craziness during COVID, we started, you know, we were all researching everything. We were researching medical and elections and all, we weren't really specialized yet. And then, um I don't know. It just seemed that people would have questions because we could see the way they were changing um, policies for our elections, all the rules. Tennessee didn't really make law changes, but they made rule changes that fully affected our elections. And um, so we saw happening and it just seemed like every time we were digging into that, that, um, you know, I just seemed because of my background already having worked elections and known a little bit of what happens behind the scenes um, people were coming to me like, okay, you know, you're, um, you know, you've done this, what do you see happening and what's going on? And it was just, that kind of became my research area. And then of course we had, you know, people that were in medical that, you know, that became theirs. So I just got more and more focused on, um, elections. And then over time, um, we started to, 
uh, team up with some other groups. Um, you know, Mike Lindell's Cause of America has been a you know a big supporter of you know, what we're doing, and you know they've helped to fund some of our um, voter roll purchases, things like that that are actually quite expensive. A voter roll in Tennessee will cost you like twenty six hundred dollars, wow. and that's just one time. Yeah, if you want it for the whole year to keep getting updated, it's over $10,000. So, yeah. <laughs> did, did you always, I know you've been doing this quite a while, but the machines haven't been around as long as you've been doing this. Did you always have interest in election integrity or did the machines coming into use get you motivated to say, wait, whoa, whoa, there's a problem here? Um, it's funny because at first, uh, I mean, I the first um, however many elections in my life, we use the old, um, you know, mechanical machines with the mechanical levers that recorded on the paper, um, you know, the, the paper roll that was behind it when you close the curtain with the big old, um, you know, lever. Mm -hmm. So um, when we switched to the um, voting machines, I, the electronic ones, I never really thought much about it. It was, you know, things were being computerized. So it, I, you know, it seemed like a natural progression. Um, but of course, I didn't know at the time, and most people didn't, most states made it illegal to have those mechanical machines. So right there, I mean, I think if people knew that, that would have been, you never have a brand new technology and just say, oh, we don't know if it's going to work out, but let's just you know, make it illegal to go back and we're stuck with it, whether it works or it doesn't work. Um, so I think you know, that was, I think early on, a lot of people did start to have questions. And for a lot of states, there was no going back. But I really didn't, I guess, around when we lived in Florida, um, probably 2016 election, I got to would really ask a lot of questions about um, what was going on with the electronic voting machines. I mean, I hate to say it, but I remember in 2014, when we were helping Ukraine with their elections, and they were protesting and telling us to get out. And I, at the time I thought, oh, that's, they're so ungrateful. I mean, we're, we're just there to help and not at all understanding you know, what these machines could do and you know, why they felt like you know, we're, we're rigging their elections. We're not helping them with their elections, but yeah, that's definitely a, a big change. I was definitely very naive back then. That, with That's a very interesting uh, present at the creation for a lot of this uh, that we're dealing with now was a testing ground over there that's now Absolutely. being brought home. So MicroVote Infinity Direct Recording Electronic Machines mm -hmm. that are still being used in multiple Tennessee counties. Uh, one year ago this month, I guess it was last month, August, you sent a letter <laughs> Even a single vulnerability in a voting machine puts the entire process of having free and fair elections at risk, and MicroVote has been found to have multiple vulnerabilities that have plagued their machines for two decades. Okay, so has <laughs> anything been done since last August, 11, 12 months ago? That means a session in Nashville January through April 2023 and a special session this summer in advance of an election for governor and U.S. Senator in November 2024. Has anything been done? I hate to say it, but really nothing has been done. The only thing that they did, which is meaningless, is that the microvote machines now, they added this little receipt printer called the VVPAT, and it you know spits out a receipt when you're done, and that's it. So all the same vulnerabilities are there. 
um, you know, all the programming problems, everything else, they're all there. But because this little uh, receipt that will fade, just like a little supermarket receipt um, is spit out, everyone's acting like, wow, we have paper now. It's so great. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, it's really, I mean, we're really just, um, kind of holding the line, I would say. We have, I mean, there were things that they wanted to do, like in my county, they wanted to switch us to the convenience centers. Um, It was approved, but not funded. And thank goodness we elected new commissioners that are saying they're not going to fund it, even though the previous commission approved it. But um, that's where we really are now, is just trying to hold the line with you know, keeping it from getting you know further and further out of control with relaxing um, anything that has to do with mail-in ballots or you know having just these massive convenience centers. Um, so we're you know, fighting that more than we're you know making progress um, from where we were a year ago. Unfortunately, yeah. convenience center sounds an awful lot like uh, choice <laughs> lanes or uh, right <laughs> anything but red flag law or anything like that. Um, so, okay, given that, we, like I said, we had a special session and a real session. Will anything be done in the next session, April through January, April, sorry, January through April 2024, or, or, or are we out of time to fix these problems and the money's already been spent? Um, I mean, I don't think that we're out of time because at any point we could go to paper ballots. I mean, there's, there's no reason that we can't. That's cheaper. Um, it's way cheaper. And even these counties that, um, you know, that use paper, but have like the ballot marking devices and they don't hand mark their paper ballots um, in your typical county, that's a million dollar option to have those ballot marking devices. So hmm. you know, the more you take it out of the control of the voter, the more money we spend to to do that. So, you know, it is a, a mess, but I mean, we see we've been to a few of these different um, hand counting presentations and I mean, it's, well, you get some ballots printed up and it it's pretty fast. So we could easily switch. We would just need to, you know, have the legislators and just the whole election establishment um, behind us on that. And I mean, we are seeing some movement in election lawsuits as far as you know, some of the money, some of the funding uh, we had out of Arizona. You know, now they have this RICO case. And you know, we've seen that different um, people that are prominent in elections, in election leadership, do own all kinds of properties and things like that, that um, just don't seem to make sense numerically. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so now we're seeing some some movement out of Arizona, and we had the um, Smartmatic um, lawsuit out of uh, South Florida that dropped yesterday. So you know, we're hoping these are things that we've been saying all along that you know the um, voting machine vendors are structured like a shell company, and that you know. So I guess now we're trying to head a little bit more focusing on the funding and the money. And it's pretty tough because they are structured like shell companies, yeah. but um, you know. But we are piecing together some things here and there. Um, you know, we've been following a lot of the Act Blue um, research that Project Veritas uh, was doing, and we've done quite a bit on our own. And we have, you know, we're seeing the same kind of patterns in Tennessee. So we're hoping that, you know, if our legislators maybe don't care about the machines, that at least they will care about 
um, some of the financial fraud that's going on. And it's, you know, still it's funding the machines, it's funding all the corruption behind the elections. So we're hoping that, you know, maybe that will get their attention. It's easy to understand. And of course, you know, they get nervous if their competition is um, raising money in shady ways. So Mm. we're hoping maybe that will be something that they'll want to take some action on. And there are 95 counties in Tennessee, I believe. You said your county did one thing. Is it univ? Is it is it level across all the counties? Because the second question to that is, you know, we, there are some counties that had something like four percent turnout in the last election, which was a midterm election. I, you know, granted, it wasn't a presidential election, but voter turnout is pretty low in some counties and pretty high in others. You know, we just had a Nashville election uh, last month. There's one here in Franklin uh, next month, which is odd for October. You'd think it's always the Tuesday in November, but given that. Are all 95 counties going under the same rules of engagement during an election, or is there are there 95 different ways to go and 95 different machine companies administering these elections? Um, well, they're, the general rules are the same, but yeah, I mean, we have five machine vendors and I think about 20 different models within those vendors of um, voting machines. So it's definitely very different from county to county and it it does make it tough if we want to train poll watchers it's very different if they're using these you know electronic machines like we have with microvote with no paper ballot and then some counties are you know have paper some are hand marking some have a ballot marking device so it does make it very difficult to train people you know across counties because it it is a bit of a mess with all of and it's, um, it's like Vladimir Lenin said, it doesn't matter how you vote, it's who counts the votes. And if the machine's just going to tell you, well, it's so, so-and-so won because we say so, but we can't verify it, we're taking right. it, we're taking our answers from the... Let me ask you this. There are 75 Republicans in the Assembly, 24 <laughs> Democrats, I think one independent. On paper, Tennessee looks like the reddest of red states with that super majority is what they call it. Maybe right. Montana and Utah are better. But do you think some of the 75 Republicans may have benefited from this messed up system? And if the voting was true, they wouldn't even be there? Oh, absolutely. I think that's one thing that you know, we really, um, one of our biggest barriers is that uh, when you talk about election fraud, people will be like, yeah, you know, the Democrats, they did this or they did that. But um, you know, when you let them know it, it's a uniparty, I mean, even if you look at what happened with um, with the presidential election in 2020. I mean, we remember in Florida when lawyers were dropping on the ground like immediately. And here, I mean, for President Trump, none of that happened. Everyone just kind of left him out there. And so you saw, and really we see that at the local level too, now that we're, you know, people are getting more engaged and they're kind of starting to see. Um, first of all, they go to be a, a poll watcher and they observe you know, counting, but there is no counting. They're watching a machine spit out some numbers and just having to take it on faith that, you know, that's the count. So that is a good thing that even though it's terrible, at least people are seeing, wait a minute, what, what, what am I observing? There's, you know, nothing here. There's just a number that got spit out. I don't know where that came from. And I'd like to verify that I, you know, put all these hours in to be a poll watcher. I'd kind of like to make sure the vote is right. So, you know, we are, I don't know, kind of seeing 
that think, kind of do you think there's enough of that now that maybe we will mm -hmm. go the other direction and they'll say well let's just we own the machines now let's put them in the closet but go back to observers observing real county um i mean we we have so few legislators that um that support it we in the there's just the lobbyer lobbyists that lobby for the machines and they're the same lobbyists that are from firms that lobby for you know big health care for hospital chains so you know they have to say no to these lobbyists that you know kind of live in their offices I and mean, it's amazing how you know, we go there and it's just the same people over and over again so I do feel like nobody wants to be the one to shake things up. Mm. Um, know, that's that's our biggest problem is mm. um, everyone's afraid. The few that are supportive are still afraid if they kind of blow up the system and people, we went to paper and let's say people felt like they had to wait in line too long or, or something like that, that, um, you know, that would be, oh, you know, this, this or that, you know, representative or state senator, they're the ones who are responsible for this. And, um, yeah, you know, they definitely get to hide behind convenience and speed mm -hmm. by saying that this is the right way to go when we have seen on the ground, like you say, not on the ground. Um, so there's been some serious questions about the voting records of those same Republicans we're talking about not acting like Republicans and not voting the way the Republican hometown voters actually want them to. Uh, right. We had Benny Smith on here with the Election Integrity Commission of Shelby, the yeah. county with the longest record of shenanigans back to the <laughs> 50s. Um, and now he's with the state commission. Yes. And he's a Democrat. You know, have you seen anything out of them, the state commission, to indicate these problems we're discussing are being looked at to be solved? No. I mean, that's the very first thing that we do when we first started really researching was we um, read all of the minutes from the state election commission and we read them back like 20 years and then we put in an open records request to get <laughs> a few more years and the more we read the the worse it was I think that that was the worst thing we had less and less confidence the more we saw some of the shenanigans and um you know, we also see how if there are people, let's say at the county level who run elections and anytime somebody is really, you know, let's get rid of the machines or even let's question the machines, um, they're gone. All of a sudden, you know, they're, they're not in the picture anymore. And it's almost impossible to get rid of an election official. But if you question the machines or the status quo, uh, somehow they find a way to do a show cause hearing and they're gone. And yet we have others that are awful that are are in there you know, permanently, really. I mean, they're appointed, so it is pretty hard to get them out. Wow. Well, tell us more about the, the, the voting machine lobby. There's such a small business. The big guys, Apple and Dell and the companies we've heard of, they don't want anything to do with it. So these guys, you must have to fight them every step of the way because they're for it and you're against it. Why are they so powerful in Tennessee when I think voters that put those lobby or those elected officials up there they prefer the hand counted paper ballots which like you said are cheaper cheaper for the county cheaper to execute on why are they more powerful than your grassroots organization let's just say if they're winning i know that's just something that you know we see in every aspect not even just in the voting machines but um you know when we had all the the different um you know mandates with covid we would have you know hundreds of people sometimes thousands of people who came out to the capitol and 
you know, one of the legislators to vote one way and there'd be a handful of lobbyists and they would go with the lobbyists. And you know, I guess they're the ones writing the big checks. And um, but it, it does seem like if you, you know, they can deliver um, certain elections to them. I mean, there's they have a lot of leeway with these machines. And, um, you know, I just don't see any other explanation other than you know, they're not really worried that we're going to vote them out. So to me, that says the system is rigged, that our elections aren't free and fair because they're much more concerned about getting the big checks from the lobbyists than worrying about we the people voting them out. So the voting machine lobby is a wealthy lobby. It's it's the it's a Ford type of Facebook type of power that they can actually write big checks, not just checks. They they definitely write big checks. And I don't know how much of that is, you know, that a lobbying firm um is, is that it's the firm writing the big check because they lobby for like I said, you know, big healthcare and multiple things. So if they can, I feel like the elections are almost just kind of part of a package deal. Um, you know, they can deliver the legislators who will vote the way you want on um, big healthcare or um, roads or any of these other issues, but they need the voting machines to make sure that those candidates get in and stay in. So five of the top lobbyists in Tennessee by the numbers are healthcare. You're saying maybe that that same one or two or three or four or five lobbyists also have the voting machine purview. So the healthcare lobby and the voting machine lobby are the same person. Yes. Yes. Wow. Or at least okay. the same company. Yes, absolutely. So okay. that's... that's interesting. So healthcare has an interest in voter unintegrity. Um, how egregious is the voting switching really is it a matter of a few votes in close call counties or is it large enough to steal a presidential race with millions of votes to deal with you went to the mike lindell symposium is did you learn that it's it's a it's a horrendous problem or a minor problem in small areas that are close um i mean they can really do what they want with the machines. But when you were talking about um, you know, voter turnout, that's one of the biggest issues is that we have these bloated voter rolls. So you know, when we say, well, you know, there were only 3% of you know, voters that turned out, but if you had to put some effort into registering to vote, the majority of those people wouldn't be registered. So you have all these, you know, that many more people that are registered. So you're voter turnout looks much worse than it did in the past when before you had motor voter and you know t like Tennessee has seven different state agencies that can register you to vote so in addition to going to the DMV if you um you know get veteran services if you get various child services there's just all different agencies they can all register you to vote so it really is you know a mess with just how bloated our voter rolls are so that's I think where the one of the biggest things is the machines can do it, but we need the voters on the voter rolls to you know assign those votes you know, in the first place. So I think that's an, a, a big problem. It's just that we have so many people on the voter rolls and our, our maintenance is just horrible. Is it? Okay. So I wanted to ask you about outdated voter rolls and, and dead people. Um, Judicial Watch got millions purged from California, millions. And we right. know the old jokes about Republicans not wanting to die before an election and have their vote turn out for a Democrat in Chicago and right. New Jersey. But is Tennessee just as bad? Do we have a large dead database of, of voters? 
they're pretty good, I would say, with the dead people. Um, I don't know when it started, I, but I know when we were out um, canvassing that we had uh, some people in our neighborhood that we knew you know, had died a few months before, and they were off the voter rolls. So it seems like some of the over the past however many years, they've been pretty good with cleaning that up. But you will find some old ones where someone you know, died like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and they'll still be on the voter roll. So that's a big problem. But I would say the, the worst ones are just old addresses, you know, uh, especially in the universities. You'll have you know, thousands of students that still show up in the dorms that are like in their 40s or hundreds of people that are registered to like the school of communications or somewhere that isn't even a you know a legitimate address for you to live at so well, in, in the state of california they've got it down pretty much to a science where if you leave the state you actually have to unregister yourself or else they have your name forever and it will turn up and in the state of washington where i left if they know that your county is conservative, maybe from Facebook's analytics, and you do your Dropbox like you're told to do because it's all mail-in, they just will not pick that up on election day, and so you don't get counted. So apathy can also look like non-delivered mail, and they even put a free stamp on there, so people, you know, are foolishly falling for that trick. I don't know what they do here in in Tennessee about things like that. Doesn't seem like they're doing mail-in, but. The official election hotline is 1-877-850-4959. The hotline is available to answer questions about early voting or election day that voters may have. In addition to the hotline, the Tennessee Secretary of State has a system in place to address voter fraud. Anyone who suspects voter fraud can text TN, like Tennessee, TN to 45995 to make a report. I only bring that up because did anyone know that or did you see any use of it in that may have helped prevent fraud? We we actually did um, you know, make some calls. We had some voting machines that were missing candidates and some that were missing races. They just totally didn't have certain races on their ballots. But um, we didn't get they did send out an election official, but we really didn't get any help from that. So um I'm not sure what they would need to see, but it seemed like it was more this person's sign is you know, within the hundred foot bar barrier and things like that, where you know little technicalities, um, those things were enforced. But yeah, to call on the big issues like I can't vote for the person that I'd like to vote for because they're not on my ballot, that you know wasn't something that we could get any help with. Interesting. Um, okay, I got about five minutes left. I think Steve was giving me that or were you stretching over there? Yeah, five minutes. In Williamson County, the entire slate of party officials turned over. That's how angry they were here uh, about six months ago. Are they working to ensure Williamson County will have integrity this next time from your observation? I mean, I really hope so. I know a lot of people that were working so hard to you know, get the turnover there. And I know the state really fought them, the state GOP. Um, they did not want to see conservatives get in there. So I'm really hoping that, you know, they're able to turn things around. Uh, the state still has a lot of power. 
So we found that when we had like certain candidates who hadn't lived in the county long enough to be a Republican by their bona fide rules, but were you know people that donated money and just hours and hours of time, but were told they couldn't be on the ballot, we had our, our some of our county GOP said they will vouch for them, and the state still said you know you can't do it. They're running against an incumbent uh, incumbent Republican and. You know, we're not going to take the chance. We're just not going to let them on the ballot. So yep. small I hope... tent. They did the small tent. Thing. Yes. So and I Williamson really... ended up buying the machines, and, and, yes. and with it, the ongoing maintenance cost. What did that cost, and why didn't they just lease them? I know it did. Um, I I forget how many millions it cost them. I think that they probably had about like a two and a half million dollar charge and like i said they could have actually saved like a million dollars if they didn't have the ballot marking devices and at least did the hand-marked paper ballots but um in the end if they if they're using machines i understand that they were hoping if they leased that it was somehow less it is less commitment than to buy but in the end um most of these counties do if they don't buy one machine at some point they're just going to buy a different vendor and they really are all the same so paper ballots and they really weren't officially um something that they were considering so i don't know that you know would have made much of a difference either way okay. um, so heritage.org rated tennessee number one <laughs> Are we just the best of a bad, bad lot in the whole country? What's with that heritage rating? I know. Well, we well Georgia was number one in 2020, and we know what happened there. But um, you know, our laws are not bad. We do have voter ID, and we do um, restrict. We don't have mail-in ballots. We have absentee ballots, and we do restrict that pretty well with not having drop boxes. Um, your ballot has to be mailed back in. But um, definitely, when we look at the scores, I mean, I feel like when we ranked in at Mike Lindell's event, we had like a 40 some percent score in Tennessee for you know what we think are the most important aspects of election integrity. So, yeah, I mean, if you're and we gave the world the Tennessee <laughs> error. Right. So that's now our claim to fame. The yes. Tennessee the error. Tennessee error is <laughs> all ours. Do you do you think that voter demographics have changed in Tennessee. I'm four of 80,000 people that moved here last year, um, a state record for migration. Do you think they are mostly Democratic voters like Boise, Idaho or Austin, Texas got or purple or pretty blue? What, what do you think we're going to see with the future uh, voting history of, of Tennessee now that we have all these new people here? I mean, I think we see what we kind of see everywhere where you're the cities are blue and everywhere else is red. So I do feel like out where I am out in the country, uh, we have so many transplants and there are absolutely a lot of people from California, but they're just as conservative as everybody else. And th their attitudes are definitely, and in fact, maybe they're a little more worried because I think they feel like, you know, we know what can happen. Um, but when it comes to the cities, um, yes. I mean, the cities are flooding with, you know, they're getting bluer and bluer. Yeah. So, you know, I think that was the biggest turnover was Davidson County had the mm -hmm. turn from the most red to the most blue. Um, and it was only 2009 that uh, Democrats actually ran the state. So it's, it's, it could happen, especially if they take over the reins of this uh, voter integrity issue and, and people like Sexton or Jack Johnson or Lieutenant Governor Randy, I don't do anything to stop it. 
Um, all right, so we are out of time here. So what are what other issues are you working on as priorities for 2024? Um, a big thing, like I said, that we're working on, we're really trying to, you know, dig into the money to understand, um, you know, who's funding these candidates. And there's a lot of information out there. It's one of the few things in elections that is tr fairly transparent. So, um, you know, and I would, we're encouraging people, even at the most local level, you know, find out about that person who's running for school board or county commission or these really local offices, see who's funding them, who's writing them checks, because it tells you a lot about, you know, everyone sounds good. Oh, I'm going to be conservative and this and that. But if you start digging into who's giving the money, it tells you a lot about how they're going to be voting. Right. Which candidate has an ABC developer in their pocket and yes. CD? Yeah, exactly. All right. Mrs. Tobin, thank you for your time. Really appreciate all you do for Tennessee. We are at the end here. Tell everyone where they can go to find out more about you and more about uh, Tennessee Network, Liberty oh. Network. Um, for Tennessee Liberty Network, um, we're on Facebook and Telegram, so they can find us in either one of those places. And um, if they're really interested in elections, um, probably Cause of America is the way to go. There's a Once you get on the site, you can click on Tennessee, and it will connect you with all types of groups all across the state. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for coming on with us. Right. Thank you so much. If you're like me and sick of the woke, unfunny content coming out of Hollywood these days and looking for something new and exciting, I found the website for you, movienight.com. The folks at movienight.com, that's movienight, one word, .com, has the first universal loyalty program that offers businesses like yours the opportunity to attract customers with their exclusive lineup of world-class titles. Titles like Daddy Daughter Trip with Rob Schneider, Triumph with Terrence Howard, and Nefarious, last year's blockbuster hit. Movie Night was founded to positively impact society through media. Check it out at movienight.com and enjoy the show. I don't Welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show, where we cover what we just heard. Producer Steve, what did you think of our guests, Tina Tobin and Tennessee Liberty Network? Oh, Steve, there's this common theme of, as try as you might, try as you may, it is just like an uphill struggle to get these things right. There are so many people who've made a living, i.e. politicians, who do not, from all these special interest groups, the last thing they want is to lose that gravy train. So I don't think it's an impossible thing. There's more awareness, Steve, since 2020 than I can ever remember. Yeah, I used to listen to conservative radio for years, decades. No one talked about voting machines. They didn't talk about this. This has become the hot button for the last two, three years. And I believe it will make a difference, but it's going to take years and years of hard work. So don't give up, folks. It's going to take a long time. Yeah, yeah. They sure made something very simple, very complicated. We've said it before, but, you know, the, somehow the seniors and juniors in high school can do this every year without fail, but uh, our governments and our city councils can't. So, okay. Well, 
Can't win elections by running on stripping away Second Amendment rights, right? What does the Second Amendment even say? It must be thousands of pages long, written by old English Shakespearean authors, hard to understand legal words. How about a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's it. Okay. Not complicated. Here, I can even narrow it down for you. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's called a negative right. If the government can't do something to you, it's a negative right. A positive right would be they can do something to you. We don't want that. Can and shall not be infringed. You don't even have to know what a militia is to get this. The people, you, me, producer Steve, my kids, all Americans. Well, what do you do if you can't make the case in court or elections that we may be infringed or should have not have guns? You do something like this. Hundreds of gun dealers lose licenses under Biden administration crackdown. After years of light enforcement to encourage cooperation, ATF is clamping down on firearm sellers who say they are being unfairly targeted. The Biden administration is revoking licenses from hundreds of firearms dealers in a significant escalation of federal enforcement actions that has angered many in the gun industry. Nice, right? How about if we can't win elections or turn people out to vote for your ideas, you do like Iran does. You pay your friends to hand out to, to hang out with you like Taylor Swift or Kim Kardashian. Check this out. Blue state Democrats propose handing out unemployment benefits to workers on strike. Payments would come from an indebted unemployment insurance program. A group of California Democrats are expected to propose handing out unemployment benefits to striking workers. Language expected to be released in the coming days or weeks to provide striking workers with benefits from California's unemployment insurance program that is $18 billion in debt. The move comes amid historic strikes by both screenwriters and actors and GM, forcing and United Auto Workers, I should say, not just GM, forcing many movies and TV shows to halt production. It would allow individuals on strike who are not looking for work and were not let go through no fault of their own to claim unemployment insurance as if they were truly unemployed. California Chamber of Commerce policy advocate Rob Montree, who opposes the legislation, said, the last thing California needs is more ways of paying for people not to work, U.S. Rep. Kevin Kiley told Fox News. Our state currently has the second highest unemployment in the nation and is the last in the country in wage growth. Well, yeah. The California Republican added that his home state so badly bungled the management of its unemployment system that it took out a nearly $20 billion loan from the federal government and then defaulted on it. Billions of fraudulent unemployment claims were paid out in the Golden State during the COVID-19 pandemic, according to California officials. You know who does that? Iran. 60% of the country's 84 million people live below the poverty line, 50.4 million with one-third living in extreme property. Double the number of the previous year, 27.7 million available for free money to show up and protest. Okay, so when you bend the rules to get your way and you pay your mob to intimidate people to vote your way against their best interests, limiting freedom and liberty, the two things America was founded on, and no voter would want to give the right away you get this. US, U.S. suicide rates hit record high of nearly 50,000 in 2022. Provisional CDC data shows. We don't trust them, but that's what they say. 
Suicide rates soared to the highest number on record in 2022 as nearly 50,000 Americans took their own lives. Rest in peace. According to a report published by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention on August 10th, the latest CDC suggest the latest report suggests a notable increase in suicide since 2021 following two consecutive years of modest declines in 2019 and 20. According to the CDC provisional data, an estimated 49,449 Americans committed suicide in 2022, or nearly 15 deaths for every 100,000 people, up 2.6% from 48,183 deaths by suicide in 2021, and surpassing the peak of 48,344 in 2018. Suicide is now the 11th leading cause of death in the United States compared to 2020, when it was the 12th leading cause, the latest data suggests. Thank you to the Epoch Times for all of that, right? Voting is expressing your rights. Having rights give you hope for a better tomorrow that you are actively participating in. Take it away and you get sad, hopeless, and despondent to the point of suicide, at least for 50,000 souls last year. Wow. Steve, am I, am I wrong? Steve, that's a great analogy. I mean, that is a great analogy. And then you add the pressure of the youth to deal with the the horrendous corruption within the public school system of pressure of people to being told that you're not a girl, you're not a boy, and all that goes with that. I, I can imagine a lot of those statistics have to do with under 18 individuals of going mm -hmm. up. I, I mean, you're right. come on, Steve, yeah, there is yeah. a lot of pressure going on right now. High school's hard enough, and then trying to confuse oh. people with the books. Did you like are... high school? I did actually. I'm one of the few, but I'm dealing with high schoolers in my own household, and it's not always as rosy as it was it, for. It had its. Uh, the first couple <laughs> years for me were not good. Second couple years, it started going up. But boy, yeah. it was a tough transition, I'm telling you. It is. You're right. And then they throw on all this societal stuff, and it's crazy. We've talked about the 360 degree assault on these kids' psyches, and their frontal lobes aren't even, you know, formed yet, and they have to make decisions as if they're, you know, being written for them in Beverly Hills 90210 for the older crowd. Yep. But the only thing you can do, like I did, is vote with your feet until they build, like the Germans did, a Berlin Wall to keep the people trapped. Here we go. Two largest Democrat states lose trillions as mega corporations flee disastrous policies head south new york and california have each lost more than one trillion with a t in managed assets as financial firms and big tech firms have fled to texas florida and other southern states moreover the exodus continues a bloomberg analysis of the corporate filing of more than 17,000 firms conducted since the end of 2019 found bleak results for both states from the start of 2020 through the end of March 2023, more than 370 investment companies managing about $2.7 trillion in assets moved their headquarters to a new state, according to Bloomberg. According to a Bank of America analysis, we, conducted, we constructed near real-time estimates of domestic migration flows and found that pandemic migration trends are not reversing, the analysis said. Since the first quarter of 2023, the data suggests that cities that saw a large influx of people during the pandemic have still been growing faster than other cities in recent quarters. There goes your other people's money. Socialism needed to provide the benefits to keep the people enslaved. If they go, how are they going to pay them to go on strike? It's self-destructive, and that is the silver lining. Extreme leftism destroys itself every time. Stay tuned for my thoughts of the day.
With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast, simply and naturally, without restrictive exercise or cardboard, dry, tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof. Look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know. I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com. This is Christian Irvin from the Semper Grati Project, and you're listening to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast. Welcome to my thoughts for the week. But before I share, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to Mill Creek View podcast. Lots of new subscribers. Just go to Rumble or iHeart app and hit the subscribe button and follow us. And thank you for doing it. Ours may become the first civilization destroyed, not by the powers of our enemies, but by the ignorance of our teachers and the dangerous nonsense they are teaching our children. In an age of artificial intelligence, they are creating artificial stupidity. Thomas Sowell. This process of election affords a moral certainty that the office of president will seldom fall to the lot of any man who is not in an imminent degree endowed with the requisite qualifications. Alexander Hamilton, American political and founding father of the U.S. Well, that didn't necessarily work out so good. We do not have government by the majority. We have government by the majority who participate. Thomas Jefferson. The ballot is stronger than the bullet. Abraham Lincoln. Not for him, but for America, certainly. He also said, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Voting is the only way to ensure that your concerns matter, period. Michelle Obama, former first lady. That's it for this episode. Really hoped you liked it. Thank you, Tina Tobin, for keeping Tennessee, Tennessee, and not of, by, and for the machines. Until next time, this is your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. Peace in our time and glory to God. Stay tuned for me on Wake Up Memphis, Mighty 990 FM with Ben Dieter. Stick around. I hope you like it. See you next time. Steve Abramowitz. Got to know this guy from the Nashville area not too long ago. Huge fan of his show, huge fan of his work, because he he jumps into a lot of stories that affect us in the volunteer state, and he doesn't mind speaking truth to power. So honored and excited to welcome Steve on his inaugural debut on Wake Up Memphis. Steve, good morning. Thanks for joining me. I feel so honored. How are you, Ben? I'm doing well, and it's appropriate that we're talking about this, and we'll jump into your show, your podcast, in a couple minutes, but... I mean, we've been focused on our mayor's race that I'm sure many people, they, they don't even recognize that the capital of our state also had a huge mayor's race, and you guys have a new mayor. Yes, we do. We got Freddie O'Donnell. Welcome, Freddie. So Freddie is a outgoing city council member, as I understand, Steve. He's a progressive, right? And there were there were two people in this race. I mean, there was a runoff. You had a, a conservative. I don't know if they're calling her, but she was right of center. And then Freddie, the progressive. And he wins decisively, as I understand. 
That's pretty much it. She uh, was a Republican running. It's a nonpartisan race, of course, but they painted her as somewhere in between Stalin and Hitler and maybe Mao, if you threw that in there. So she was certainly uh, painted as a Democrat. No, kidding. As a Republican, those, you know, the three I just used were Democrats. Um, And so long story short, 63.8% to 36%. I had Alice on my show when it was still a jungle primary and she made it through. So I'm going to take full credit for that. But um, I was the only one who would actually talk to her. Uh, But no, she did not prevail out of 114,000 votes, which is actually pretty small turnout for a city like Nashville. But that's how we roll here. Last election for city council and aldermen in my town, Williamson County, right next door, it was 7% in Franklin, 14% turnout in Williamson County. So we do have a small turnout problem, but we do now have Freddie, and I'm sure he'll fix crime and drugs and all the other wonderful things uh, going forward because that's what a mayor is supposed to do. Well, it's interesting because I think you're dealing with a lot of what we're we're also dealing with. I think we have it a little bit worse. That's something I don't pleasure in taking credit for, but it's crime. And I, I've read the reports from your TV stations there. It's a huge deal when you look at the way this progressive mayoral candidate, now you're the mayor of Nashville, has, has addressed these issues. Do you have any hope that he will be tough on criminals or, or do they coddle them? Well, we did pass you in the rankings on one category. I know Memphis is kind of back and forth on the mur- murder capital of the country um, often, and that's a tragedy, of course. But we now rank number two in the country for overdose deaths um, wow. in, in the top 10, right? 754 human beings are gone now. Uh, that's 77% of those were fentanyl. So we have a problem that exceeds yours, I guess, because it's not humans killing humans, it's people killing themselves on a terrible drug addiction problem. And I don't think he's going to run, well, he didn't run on cleaning that up. They do talk about Broadway being the bachelorette capital of the world, and so we got to keep those tourists safe with crime on that one street, Broadway, which is a wonderful place to be. I love going there. Jason Aldean's restaurant and Kid Rock and the rest. Of course, Bridgestone has a lot of concerts, and we want the tourists to be happy and safe, but the people on the street dying from fentanyl is uh, a huge problem, and he did not campaign on beefing up the police or the EMTs or the fire who have to deal with these folks day in and day out, not to mention the residual problems of those people themselves getting sick. Fentanyl is a dirty drug. You, you can't even touch it without uh, you know getting very, very exposed so uh you know it's uh when you're talking about 100 people per 100,000 dying of an overdose in that county davidson county the problem is real and massive and no he didn't run on it but the other thing is important is that the metro council the state cut it from 40 to 20 but it's still 40 until 2000 i think 27 so they just added five new people to it four women one uh, transgender individual um, to the council. So your question is: Is it getting more progressive or less? Well, yeah. You can look at those five. You can look at those six people now. And oh my! You can say yeah. Well, yes, and that good. person that you referred to is Olivia Hull. Um, identifies as a female, is a biological male, and I, I've seen the Twitter feeds. I've seen the news reports. I mean, this is a win for Tennessee, which is all but 
you know, basically a hellhole for anybody in that community. And they're celebrating this as the first openly transgender person to be elected to office in Tennessee's 227 year history. We all celebrate actually, and feel it's better. A little, it's a little different than that. They're actually saying five women have, a, have achieved the success of the most women ever on the council. So oh, they're, wow. inclu- they're including that individual. <laughs> I don't know which bathroom he chooses or she chooses, but that they're saying it's, it's a win for women. With all due respect to Olivia, I mean, the photos might deceive one. I've seen the, the images of Olivia, the voice... That's not working for anybody. But want want to move on. Again, we're talking to Steve Abramowitz, host of the Mill Creek Podcast. He's from Middle Tennessee. covers most of those stories and beyond. I, I like something you do on social media, which is try to remind people that we may live in a dark red state, but it might not always be that way. And you've been following this exodus of liberals leaving places like New York and California and Washington and New Mexico and coming to beacons of freedom like Tennessee. And your reminder to everybody living in this state is we've got to be careful. We're not california Can I use that as a verb? Or Tennessee. Are you starting to see yeah. <laughs> are, are you starting to see that? You said you're in Williamson County where we're seeing some of those areas get more purple because there is the exodus out of these liberal states. Yeah, 80,000 people moved to Tennessee in the last 12 months, which is a record for the state, which you think is kind of shocking because the state's been around for a pretty long time, 200 years. Um, I live right next to a Civil War battlefield. So the point is is that, yeah, they are bringing their, their liberal votes. I'm rare. Last week was my one-year anniversary in the state. And I'm trying to tell everybody, not only did I leave Washington state because of the liberal uh, takeover that I saw happening, it started next door in Oregon, but I'm born and raised in California. And so I saw this happening. So I don't just talk about uh, don't California, my Tennessee, don't just Washington state, my Tennessee, please, for the love of God, don't Oregon, my Tennessee, your Tennessee. Sorry, I I said my, I haven't been long enough to call it my, but don't Minneapolis, my Tennessee. Don't Chicago, Illinois, my Tennessee. Please don't Austin, Texas, my Tennessee. I'm sorry, again, your Tennessee. And don't Dade County, uh, Florida, our Tennessee. So there's a lot more blue cities and states that have emigrated because of high taxes and come to deep red, as you call it, states and cities, but they brought their voting record with them. So the whole show is dedicated to what is a Republican, don't make the mistakes of the other schools, you know, like Notre Dame is uh, going to have their first drag show on in November. They're advertising for there's a new Marxist class at Arizona State University that's also held in Minneapolis, uh, New York City and Bellingham, Washington, which is actually a conservative part of the state or it used to be Western Washington University is right there. So a big, big emphasis is. What are the universities doing? What are the schools doing? What are the teachers doing? What are the states doing? What are the politicians doing, like Scott Weiner in California, driving this place insane? But yet the people who are leaving put them there in the first place because that was their voting record and bringing it to their new state. It's like a 4,000-county Democratic strategy to elect people, like we just talked about in Nashville, who will move forward these liberal policies while destroying states, even though we see on the ground, you were just talking about it in your last segment, 
people dying of fentanyl on the street, illegal immigrants crowding around in, in you know, bus stops on the ground or murder, gun violence or people walking out of grocery stores with arms full of things as if there's no law. That's what you get. Mm-hmm. But and that's why I try to point it out on social media and the show on listen the show. To me and it, yeah, listen to me and don't repeat the mistakes of what they did to get this deep red state into it. Not only purple, but deep deep blue, and it was only 2009 then when Democrats used to run Tennessee for a long, long time. So the, the Republicans who are there now in the supermajority, the reddest of red states, are paving the way for them to make a huge comeback, and they're not going to come back like the blue dog Democrats that used to be, which was the fiscally conservative ones. They're going to come back as the far-left AOC, Elon wow. Omar types that have destroyed Manhattan and destroyed Minneapolis. That's what I'm they, trying to uh, be the, the the Paul Revere of in my show, and boy, do they hate me for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen the vitriol targeted towards you. Uh, and, and throw in Justin Pearson and Justin Jones, which we had a full discussion when I joined you on your podcast. Steve Abramowitz, host of the Mill Creek Podcast. Where can people find out more about your show, my friend? I'm everywhere you want to be. You can go to YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, iPlan- or, sorry, iTunes, uh, Spotify. Just type in Mill Creek View. You'll see the Tennessee version. You'll also see the Florida version, and you'll also see the Washington State version for anybody who may have moved from those states and want to keep in touch with what's going on in their areas. Uh, also have the CEO special, which is out every Monday, me interviewing business folks, not culture, politics, or uh, entertainment, which the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday show does. We've been on vacation, so we've been kind of running reruns on that. But I am back next week and very excited uh, to keep that show going because in the year that I've been here, I have created a quilt, an actual fabric of who the voices are in the state that want to keep Tennessee as Tennessee as they possibly can and fix. It's always about solutions and optimism. How do we fix these problems, not just complain about them? And, uh, the mayor's race could have gone a different way if uh, if more people had listened to it. <laughs> All right, Steve, appreciate your time. We'll catch up soon. All right, you the man. Thank you. or opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.